Hi, you're listening to Only Therapists in the Building, a podcast brought to you by Connect Counseling Center in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, here to demystify therapy and the people who do it for a living. Welcome to Only Therapist in the Building, a podcast sponsored by Connect Counseling Center. Today, oh my gosh, you guys, today is going to be a phenomenal episode. Um, First and foremost, we have a guest with us today. We have Ashley Dantzler, who is a therapist here at Connect. Big rounds of applause. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Ashley. So as I teased a little bit at the end of our last podcast today, we're going to be talking about animal-assisted therapy. Um, what it is, what it's not, what it means, just what, you know, all those important questions. Um, but speaking of important questions, you guys, mm. to start with, I have a very, very important question. Okay. Whoa. We're all ready. I'm bracing myself. You yes, should. Drop you should. this bomb. Okay. I'm sorry. That was insensitive. Okay. Go. Okay. <laughs> what animal would you say represents you? Whoa. Mm, deep thoughts. Like in a in an apocalyptic situation, or like just I mean, like you get to take that question wherever you want okay. to take it. You can, oh, okay. So you can pick the context. You can, yeah. Okay. Okay. No. Um, well, I've I've <laughs> thought about um, this before in my life, um, and I wanted to tell you that it is most definitely it was it's always been between a dog and a penguin. And okay, I, that sounds like a weird know. joke. Yeah. <laughs> a yeah what do you cross a? <laughs> what happens when you cross a dog and a penguin? You get a Tommy. Uh, an Arctic Bow Wow, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I. but it's a penguin. And the reason why is because I've loved penguins for a really long time because of the book, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Oh, yeah. Um, you remember reading this mm-hmm. in the second grade, um, or maybe you were in the third grade. I don't know. You know, whatever. whatever. No, <laughs> no but I, this book was so, uh, you know, helpful for me because it was like really like a cool, like they're like really this this kind of family collective, you know, but also, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to see some some um, some cool penguins like uh, from from Chattown over here, you know, Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Do y'all say Chattown? Because that seems Definitely. really. Chat, Chattown. Chattown. Yeah. Chattown. Yeah. <laughs> so like Chattown, right? <laughs> Okay. Are we going to have to edit all this out? Okay. Probably, yeah. Chat town. Okay. okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Penguins from chat town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's always been cool to, to kind of. They're pretty uh, cute. Have you touched the water that's like super cold? Oh. You can, t- you can put your hand in the water that the penguins swim in and like test how long you can hold your hand there. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you like penguins you and you've seen penguins. Do you share any traits with penguins? Oh, that's a good question. that's a good question. Um, mates for life. Uh, no, I think that, uh, yeah, for sure, you know, kind of that I, I like – I think of like Happy Feet or I think of some of these you know, movies where the, the long journey of the penguin, I think to me mm. is also the huge, you know, kind of aspect of them. You know, they're in this, you know, um, really hard and torrential um, landscape being in the Arctic. And they're so they're just they're they're tough and they're rugged. But I feel like they're also kind of like they have this this softness and sweetness to them that, you know, that they they really do care for their people and, and well, for their penguins. And um, so, yeah. 
I like penguins. I see you as a penguin. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, and I had um, regal and quirky. That was my that was my whole thought. They're regal and quirky. I like that. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. I am also a bird. Um, (laughs) Whenever asked to identify myself as an animal, I pretty much go straight to peacocks. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that. Yeah. Flamboyance as a defense mechanism. I relate Mm. to that. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, yeah, a little bit ridiculous, a little bit over the top. <laughs> I refer to myself as an emotional support peacock a lot after that, you know, news story where somebody tried to take a peacock on the plane yes. and claimed that it was their emotional support peacock. I'm like, I relate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm emotionally supportive, a little embarrassing if you try to take me out in public or onto a plane, and <laughs> absolutely fabulous. I love it. Always. <laughs> Always. Yes. That is good. And ESP. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, and this has not changed since I was little, the animal that I most relate to is a baby giraffe. Specifically a baby giraffe. Oh, okay. Um, I have always been the tallest kid in my class. I have always had fairly long legs. I've always been super awkward and clumsy. Please don't ask me to stand up too quickly. Um, So baby giraffe just really like hits the nail. Hits the, hits the nail on the head yeah that's the appropriate one and um it also stems from so there's a book series called the serendipity series it's books for kiddos um and it's life lessons in books you know there is one called memily and it's about a baby giraffe who is super tall and struggles to make friends so my mom read that to me when i was little and i have it here in my therapy room and i share it with some of my clients so baby giraffe 100 percent. yeah that's cute thanks ashley what about you okay um, I've been thinking about mine this whole time, and I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to say? Um, I think, though, my answer would be a horse, actually. Um, I think that horses are have, like, a kind of big presence, and I think I do that sometimes. But they're also very, like, pack animals. They're going to follow their group. They're going to – they really appreciate when someone else is leading, uh, and I feel that way a lot of the time. So I think that um, – and horses are very, like, intuitive and very aware of their um, people, which for them are horses <laughs> and good, people good. too and horse people yeah. Horse people. yeah yeah awesome I love that all right so if you all remember um I believe it was our first episode where we talked about our origin stories um so you've heard Tommy's and Beck's and my origin story Ashley would you please honor us with your origin story for why you became a therapist and why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah, I, I listened to that episode and I was like thinking about it. I was like, I wonder what my superhero would be. And then I was like, I don't think mine is like that. I think mine is a different kind of story. So I, before this, was a high school math teacher for four years. And when I first started teaching, I was teaching in Knoxville. Uh, go Bobcats. And uh, I, my first semester, really, truly hated my job. It was really hard. I was working super long hours and just like very burnout very fast. And before this, I had my pet bunny, Piper. So, you know, in my intros to my classes, I'm like telling them some fun facts. And one of them was, I have a pet bunny rabbit. Let me tell you about him. Let me show you pictures. He's adorable. And of course, they're all like, bring your bunny rabbit to school. Like, we want to meet him. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Um, and so I like push it off, push it off. And I'm like trying to learn how to be a teacher as a 21, 22 year old for high school students who are not much younger than me and, you know, just trying to figure it out. So didn't do that for a long time, but my second year teaching. So I also taught, I taught high school math, but I specifically taught a lot of remedial math classes. So I had a lot of students who had struggled with math, had a very hard time. This was not their cup of tea. This was not their favorite thing. They did not love being there. They didn't want to do math, you know, 
So I'm like doing all these other things I can to like try to get people involved. I'm, I stay after school and I'm like, come to tutoring. I'll help you. Just trying to do all the extra things. And there were some kids that just wouldn't participate in any of that. They wouldn't get to know me. They didn't want to connect and maybe they did but I didn't know how to connect with them and so finally one day and this was not connected to that but finally one day I brought the rabbit and I it wasn't a part of that trying to get them to connect or anything but I just finally brought him had a had a day where he was kind of in his little pin in the corner and I watched those same kids who had been like so resistant to getting to know me getting to know the class getting to do anything just like melt into a puddle and be like oh my gosh it's a bunny rabbit and they just like everything about it changed and I just watched like that day they were just like more attentive to the rabbit than they had been to anything super gentle like really loving with him and then from and not like magically from then on but kind of from then on they actually would talk to me about things and I could be like okay how can I help you how can we get this stuff done like how can we move forward and I just watched like that one day really kind of change a lot and I've had quite a few experiences like that with animals where it's just like that interaction changes a whole relationship mm-hmm. really instantly. So when I started thinking about going into therapy, I was like, the animals have to be involved. Like mm-hmm. that, it changes it so fast for people. Um, they, there's a research that says if there's an animal present in the room that you're automatically more trustworthy to people, like subconsciously, oh. because they see that the animal trusts you. And so if the animal trusts you, then there are trustworthy qualities about you. So I don't know. Yeah, it became like I'm going into therapy, so I have to involve animals somehow, some way. I have to work with them and have them be a part of it because it changes a lot. So, yeah. I yeah. love that. I can also attest that Piper is adorable. Her pet bunny is amazing <laughs> and is pretty great. just could melt anybody's heart. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite days here is when Piper and Zero met. Yes. <gasps> and <laughs> I mean, you know, all of our listeners know dogs and bunnies like things happen um zero was a very good boy and yeah. he like contained all his little energy but just, just like, like laid down him <laughs> it was the best the biggest eyes and piper was like whatever i don't care about you at all mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was great yep i got piper in college and there were lots of loud people over very often that passed him around between lots of people so he's just been very like exposed to excitement for his whole life so <laughs> he's pretty pretty good with it's it chill little bunny. how old is piper like piper is nine years old, nine years old. yeah he's getting he's, up there he's sagely yes yeah. he, he has so much he wisdom is. to offer he does he really does yeah so ashley talking about this field of animal assisted therapy and and the reason why you you wanted to come into therapy and how you wanted to incorporate that can you and i'm just gonna i will 100 jump on in this jump in on this as well can you just tell us what is animal assisted therapy what does that look like like give us some knowledge yeah sure so i think um it's a you know we've kind of talked about this before it's a field that's very emerging which means there's not like a blanket definition that everyone is like yeah this when you say this i know exactly what you mean because it really is different everywhere and for every therapist that's working with animals um so from my perspective i think that animal assisted therapy is when a licensed therapist so a licensed um professional counselor any any of those kind of therapists uh has an animal that they work with on a regular basis it's usually in my opinion the same animal or the same 
set of animals. Um, and they have a very special bond. They do special training and they learn how to incorporate them in their work. Um, the animal becomes not the focus of therapy, but they're there as kind of a, a tool for communication between the client and the therapist. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you go to therapy and you learn how to ride a horse. That's not that's not animal assisted therapy. That's horseback riding lessons, which are incredible. <laughs> a different thing. Yes. Um, and so to me, animal assisted therapy is that the animal is there to kind of facilitate that communication between the therapist and the client. I love that point. Yeah. I think so Absolutely. many times, especially with me and Zero, the client will come in and be like, I'm here for Zero. Zero is my therapist. I'm not going to, I've had clients say, I'm not going to come <laughs> if Zero is not there. Mm -hmm. um, and valid. I don't want to be here if Zero is not here. Either. Fair. Me um, but Zero is not the therapist. The animals yeah. are not the therapist. They do not do the therapy. Um, we work with them, mm -hmm. they are our co therapists. Um, but we, we are still the therapist. And like you said, they are a way to increase communication, decrease anxiety. Um, they give us, give us lots of life lessons in the middle of our session <laughs> and lots of great opportunities to kind of showcase, oh, this is what's happening here. I wonder if this happens in, in the great big world. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I also love what you said, and I just want to reiterate, it's new. Animal-assisted therapy mm -hmm. is new. Um, other names for it are animal-assisted intervention, um, animal intervention, things like that. So you'll hear... Mm -hmm. you'll hear assisted inter psychotherapy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hear the therapy term kind of changed yeah. out quite a bit, but it's mm -hmm. brand new. Yeah. Um, it's a little, a little more research, a little older over in Europe. They mm -hmm. do everything first, I feel like, when it comes to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still kind of emerging here. So we've talked in previous previous podcasts, previous episodes that the the modality, the theory that your therapist practices from, they need to have training in it in order mm -hmm. to practice ethically and legally and all of that good stuff. So Ashley, what are, how what's your training look like? How yeah. have you kind of gone about that in this animal assisted field? Sure. So I'll start with my very unofficial training first. Um, so before, and I was still teaching, I, like I said, was learning that I didn't love that job. It wasn't necessarily for me. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, but I really needed something to kind of fill up my life. Someone gave me some advice of like, when we're working a job that we kind of have to keep working, but we're not loving it, we really need to be very intentional with our time outside of work. And so mm -hmm. I was, I, um, through a family friend found a farm in Chattanooga. I call her my farm lady. Her name's Laura. Um, and <laughs> yeah, she's my farm lady. And uh, for a summer between teaching years, I worked with her every day. And um, we fed all the animals. We cared for them. We, I learned a lot about how you run a farm because I don't really have that experience before that. And we built paddocks and chicken coops and all kinds of things. I have lots of Lots of eclectic things on my life resume. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so we learned a lot about it. So I just felt like that was a good start for like learning about animals. And you have to have that basis really first, too. You have to have some animal interaction. You have to, I don't, wouldn't say you have to, but it's a good start to know that kind of thing. And so then from there, I um, went to graduate school with Beck. Hi. Um, we went to school at Belmont and uh, animals really weren't a part of it. I was really just learning how to be a therapist there. Um but moving forward, I, I did some research and I found this program in Colorado. It's in Denver. Um, and I love it. It's like my favorite place. And if it wasn't so far away, I would be there every day. Um, but it's called Animal Assisted Therapy Programs of Colorado. And I went for a training intensive for like a long weekend. 
um, and just really learned a lot about how you work with animals and, and kind of a lot about all those terms and what they are and ways to incorporate them where even even without more specialized training, because there is definitely more specialized training than that, you can still start working with them in different ways. So. So I think that's an important distinction that how specialized this training is. And it really isn't just the case of like your therapist is bringing their pet dog right. yeah. to the office with them. This yes. is a trained animal as well as a therapist trained in working with that animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I mean, and, and maybe this is a too much or too deep of a question, but um, just out the out the gate, because I know that on this podcast we're talking about you know kind of what makes therapy good or what makes you know y'all good, and um, but I'm just wondering like you know with with your animal in the room because y'all have kind of talked about this communication and all the different things that you feel. How does how does having a you know an animal you know make you better at therapy or help you with therapy? I guess I don't know how the best way to say it. And maybe that's the wrong question to ask. I don't no, know. No, I think that's sense. a really great question. That's um, to okay, so the better part, <laughs> I think the way it makes me better is because this is having an animal in the room is hard. Um, Zero is incredibly well trained. He has had tons and tons of obedience training, tons of specialized training to be in this setting and kind of do the things I need for him to do in this setting. And he's still a dog. Um, You guys can attest. He steals lunches (laughs) in the break room and careens down the hall. it, he, he is a handful. He's a Belgian Malinois. For those of you who know what that breed is, like he is a handful. Um, so the better part for me is that is the training I've received in this. Um, it makes me a better therapist to have more knowledge. And this training has taught me how to kind of split my attention, have this dual attention between zero and my client. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exhausting at first. The first few months probably I had zero in the office like I was dead um I was so tired when I left here Mm. but it has made me better able to kind of see all of the things that are going on in the room Mm -hmm. um and having zero here like I don't know about you guys but like I'm a better person Mm. (laughs) when my animals are next to me yeah (laughs) um it makes me more kind of intentional of my time and intentional of what I'm doing and how I'm kind of doing things. Mm. So, so I would say that that that's the big part of all of this. Ashley, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, sure. I I have done lots of training with this. I'm in lots of training right now. I haven't done a lot with clients in the room with me, so my experience is a little different. But what I know about it is that. Um, Animals just kind of have a way of picking up on emotions that we don't. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're especially horses um, and and general animals of prey, I would say. So like a dog's a little bit different than Piper. Piper, um, I've watched him in a um, therapy setting go straight up to someone who had something going on that no one else knew about. And then right afterwards, that person told us, like, I don't, how did he know that? And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I have, I'm not in charge. I did not make him do anything. I promise I couldn't if I tried. Um but yeah, so and I think horses like show people's emotions in a way that we really can't. And we we went as a staff and did that training with horses. And, you know, you'll think I'm I'm putting out this information. I'm saying it really genuinely. And then they'll be like, nope, you're not. And they'll challenge you on it. And the therapist, you, you learn their behaviors, the animals behaviors. And so you point them out like, oh, I notice the horse is doing that. I wonder what that means. And that helps you build that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes like a a different way to see what someone's trying to communicate. 
and it might not be right, but it might be. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really yeah. That's yeah. that's mind blowing. I think because you know again like like I mean and I I've talked with you know we we know a little bit about you know animal therapy because we've we've worked with each other but i think sometimes it does seem like it's like okay well you know there's a dog in the room mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's just like it's not that at all it's mm-hmm. like this really like important kind of like intentional mm-hmm. you know part of this whole therapy it sounds like it almost gives you sort of extra, like it's an extra sense if mm-hmm. you use it correctly, like emotional x-ray vision. Yeah. Like yeah. this animal can pick up on things yeah. that you can't see and that the client may not have expressed. But what amazing knowledge that is for you to work with and utilize as a tool. Yeah, I'm freaked out by it. <laughs> no, I, I, I am. Like yeah. legit, like I think like, um, you know, we have two therapy dogs here and we have and you know we know piper and mm-hmm. and, so, and we have two therapy dogs in our clarksville office and as we well. have two mm-hmm. therapy mm-hmm. dogs at clarksville office as well and um but it's what's what's um i don't know it's like if you are having a hard day and that dog does come up to you and you like there is just there's just a beautiful moment mm-hmm. and um and but i've i think i've felt myself hiding from you know animals as well because it's mm-hmm. kind of like well i don't you know, in this moment, I don't know if I can kind of handle this, this, just this mm-hmm. generosity that's about to be given to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to talk about unconditional positive regard. Yeah. Ooh. Like, ooh. It reminds me of like the difference between a random friend that, you know, being like, Hey, how are you? And a therapist friend that, you know, being like, how are you? Mm. It's very different. And when you start working with therapists, you learn like people are going to ask and they're going to know if you're not telling them everything. And animals are just like that. They're going to show up and they're going to come sit by you because they know you're sad and you're going to be like, no, 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 go away. We can't let anyone else know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. So I think it's important to like, yes, um, that that companionship is is really really valid and I know especially a lot of my adult clients love it when zero will come and just like chill next to them and that's great and wonderful and part of it and also part of it is when zero does not Mm. come chill next Mm. to people Um, I'm trained in animal assisted play therapy or I'm getting training in animal assisted therapy it is a whole process that we may touch on a little later Um, but I work with kids so kids are busy. They're running around. They don't they don't sit that much. Um, and when they do, like we're often playing a game or doing something like that. And the best sessions I've ever had with Zero are when he is destructive mm-hmm. <laughs> in sessions, when he's stealing game pieces or when he um, goes into his his safe place, his crate, I call it his room, and doesn't want to interact. Um, or when he hears motorcycles out the window and <laughs> leapfrogs over people to get to the window to see motorcycles. Because that is a really awesome opportunity to be like, that frustrated you. Like, how do we work through that? Or mm. this isn't going to plan. Like, what's happening? Can mm. we improvise? Mm. Um, kind of working with that. Or, oh, you think Zero is mad at you because he doesn't want to play right now. Like, mm. let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, the most powerful sessions are the very unplanned, unscripted mm-hmm. sessions where when I when I drop my client back off in the lobby and I come back in to clean up, I look at Zero and I'm like, what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and Zero's like, that's the thing love. with animals, right? You can't plan it all the time. You can you can have a great plan in your head, but they don't know what you're talking about. Mm. They can't communicate the same way we can, so they don't they don't know the plan ever. Yeah, yeah. they're just being themselves. They're yeah. just changing lives, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and much as we talked last episode, I think Jen about embracing our humanity as therapists, mm. right? We're therapists and we're humans. Like we're making room for their doghood or yeah. their yeah. bunnyness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like and that brings a lot to the mm. table, just mm-hmm. them being 
their yeah, authentic yeah. little animal selves. That's one thing that I love about hmm. animal assisted therapy. Like there's a lot of different types of animal assisted therapy. So I'm, I'm not speaking for every single type here. Um, but my version of animal assisted therapy and what I'm trained in is they are animals. Just like we're humans before we're therapists, they are animals before they are therapy animals. And Zero is allowed to be a dog mm-hmm. in his sessions. Um, Piper is allowed to be a bunny. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like that is part of that magic. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting interventions with animals, too. And I don't know if it's okay to shift to that yeah. subject. but. Um, so, and I learned a lot about these in Denver and through some other just research I've done on my own. Um but there are things you can do with animals where you can kind of set up a situation. So, for example, um, with bunnies or with guinea pigs even, with um, small animals, uh, you can walk through a garden or open up a fridge and talk about what nutrients they might need. Mm. And, you know, if we're talking about like how like self-care, um, it's really important to make sure that we don't just eat cookies all day, even though we would love to just eat cookies all day, <laughs> we right? We really would. It would be would so it. nice. <laughs> but it's really important to not do that because you won't feel very good. And so you can use, you can work with the animal in a way that teaches them, like, we have to take care of them well. So there's things like that you can do. Um, you can try to train them. And that's kind of similar to what you were saying with Zero and how he'll have, like, days where he's all over the place. Um, at this training, we tried to train a goat. Um <laughs> And we tried to train the goat to give us space. So I don't know how much time you guys have spent around goats, but they know that you feed them. And so they get very close to you and they'll like put their head up on you. They're they're up in your face. Yeah, they're like trying to get the snacks all the time. Uh, Can't blame them. But uh, yeah, if you try to train them to give you space, it's really frustrating because they really don't do that. Um, But then you can with your client, you know, especially when you know their background and and what's going on in their lives, you can kind of say like, when are other times you felt this way? Or mm. how how does this relate to this other thing that I know that's going on with you? Right. Um, and it becomes, like like I said, a different vehicle for communication. Yeah. Absolutely. What a wonderful way to explore boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and you've talked so much about horses, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's been the majority of what I've experienced is more kind of like equine mm-hmm. therapy and... Um, and how powerful that is, because it really, it really does just, it, it feels like you're in a completely different world mm-hmm. when you're with, you know, animals, obviously, but which is yeah. a horse, yeah. you know, and, and, and doing different interventions with this powerful beast that can, mm-hmm. you know, kill you. Mm-hmm. All right. I know that that maybe that's over the top, but it, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, and doing different things and just getting the sense of putting your hand on this big old horse and mm-hmm. just like almost I remember doing it many times and just almost breaking down, Mm -hmm. you know, just because it's just like this breath, this, 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 you know, this, you know, hugeness Mm. of this, this thing. But it's also, it just, you just feel it caring for you too. Like this. So it is, you know, kind of your, Mm -hmm. your discussion of these interventions. I mean, they are so, I mean, magnificent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'd say all that's definitely true. Horses, um, are a very different experience because they're such a huge animal, right? But they're also prey animals, so they're they're also nervous and picking up on things and trying to keep themselves safe. And they're skittish sometimes, and they, you know, they have they're very different than a dog in their personality because they're worried about safety all the time. Mm. And so when that's something that you or your client experiences on a regular basis, you get to talk about that too. Because really if cool. a horse can feel that way, it's probably okay that you do. Yeah. Mm, boom. I love that. 
a horse being a horse gives us permission to be human. Yeah. <gasps> That's a quote right there. I'm not, yeah. That's on a mug. Yeah. If not, we're going to put it on one. Yeah. A horse is a horse, of course. Merch coming soon, y'all. <laughs> it's only spray paint, but... <laughs> Can you speak a little bit? So animal assisted therapy is amazing. Um, It's not appropriate for everybody. Can you speak a little bit to like, what are some qualities that that might make me think or make you think to use an animal with Mm. a specific client? Mm. It's a good question. And and you're right. It's definitely not um, appropriate for everyone. Just like other modalities are not fit for everyone. You have to find the right fit in a therapist and you have to find the right fit in a um, modality. And so, yeah, I think, um, there are definitely times when it's not going to be appropriate because of a client's past or history. Um, if a client has specific trauma with a horse growing up, you don't want to put them in a pen with six horses who are going to just be moving around however they want to. That's probably going to be, um, scary. And so you have to really know their history. You have to really know what their presenting issues are and what they're coming to kind of get some help for, um, what they're hoping to gain from therapy, that kind of thing. So I would say a lot of times um, intakes are probably not done with animals in the room mm-hmm. unless we know a lot of information about that client um, because we never want to set up a situation where we're setting up a failure of safety from the beginning. That becomes really important. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to you to speak to if you are afraid of animals mm-hmm. um, or like you were saying, if there is yeah. a traumatic experience, yeah. while that may mean that you aren't appropriate for animal assist therapy or animal assisted therapy is not appropriate for you at the very start, if that is something you want to work on, if you want to work on mm-hmm. that fear, work on that trauma, it can be very powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think animal assisted, while there are things that would make an individual not the best fit mm-hmm. for that. Those are things that, that we can work on, that we mm-hmm. can move into if that person is really, really passionate about working with animals. Um, I've had people come up to me that ask, like, are you afraid that clients who've hurt animals in the past are going to hurt zero? Mm-hmm. Um, will you let them work with zero? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, is that on my mind in in such a way that I want to create safety yeah. for the client in zero? Yeah. And helping a client learn to have an appropriate relationship with an animal mm-hmm. could be the turnaround point and yeah. whatever mm-hmm. is going on there. So while there are things that will make us say, you know, an animal is not for you right now, and maybe animal therapy is not for you forever, we can work on those things just like you can with any modality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I mean, and that's incredible too, to think about, you know, I, I just think of like um, kids and trauma and like, like kid trauma sometimes has to do with dog bites. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or yeah. right? I mean, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And so how incredible to, you know, be able to do some of that exposure therapy as well. I mean, obviously that's not kind of the by and large of, you know, what we're, you know, y'all are trying to do with kind of animal uh, assisted therapy. But um, just when you said that, I was like, I was like, I mean, I know stories about when my mom got bit by a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my mom remembered getting bit by a dog. And that's still a story I remember you know, so there's the there's these big stories. It might not be kind of emotional trauma, but it's it's really big trauma for these mm-hmm. kids. And so when they're able to come and kind of, 
you know, not just overcome, but have a real relationship with an animal or a dog. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. What a, what a big thing. And I've run into a lot too. So again, Zero's breed, he looks like a German Shepherd. Um, those are scary dogs, mm-hmm. if you don't know them. Those are military dogs and police dogs. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of adults and kids comment on that. And mm-hmm. they've had situations with the police or, you know, mm-hmm. family members in the military and scary things happened, mm-hmm. but they remember the dog. So they kind of have mm-hmm. that association. Yeah. So it's been very, very interesting you know, within the dog bite trauma, big horse trauma kind of realm that there's also this kind of like connected potential trauma to, mm-hmm. um, and to kind of see what that is. Mm-hmm. And so we keep people safe. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple of kiddos who really struggle with boundaries and bless his sweetheart. Zero will set a boundary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he will do that with a bark and a growl because mm-hmm. he's a dog and mm-hmm. that's how dog sets, dogs mm-hmm. set boundaries. Yeah. So sometimes Zero's not in their session because they can't regulate that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work really hard to create safety to recognize what our clients are coming in with mm-hmm. Um, and what we need to do to 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 work with that effectively and safely. Yeah. And what you just said about boundaries made me think about um, working with animals. You can really teach boundaries very well because you can teach people and clients watch the animal's behavior. You can teach them what we're looking for, right? So horses and dogs have very different behavior when they're setting a boundary. A dog's going to bark and growl at you. A horse might tuck their ears back. They might uh, get a little stiff. They might start walking away. Um, And so you teach them, look for those behaviors, learn about them. And then we talk about how do you notice those behaviors with people in your lives? Mm. How How do you communicate when you need some space? And how could we maybe improve that or change that? Or, or how could we let other people know what you need? Mm. Um, so yeah. it's a really good vehicle for that, too. Animal assisted therapy is so good, y'all. It's so, so good. good. So good. <laughs> so the question is, was Air Bud <laughs> an animal assisted therapy dog? <laughs> I would say, see, I would say no because there was no licensed therapist there to interpret. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I tell my kiddos. The whole town, there wasn't a whole screen. To the citizens of the town of (laughs) Airbud. They are, you know, unethical. That is an unethical town. And that's that's, that's the bottom line. So, okay. So, I think it's time for my favorite part. (gasps) Is it? Oh. The breakdown. The breakdown. The breakdown. I love you. The breakdown. breakdown. <laughs> That's why it's my favorite part. <laughs> that was super improv and I love you back. That was great. You too, Tommy. <laughs> so for today's breakdown, I want to talk about how, how someone does this. I think, Beck, you mentioned before. Yes, Zero is my dog. He's mine. Um, But I'm not just someone bringing her pet puppy into the office because he's so cute. He is cute. He's so so cute. What do people do to get started? Ideally, so this is an ideal situation um, because there are people out there who who don't do the ideal situation. So this is what we do at Connect. um, And hopefully, you know, others take into consideration safety and everything and do, do their thing. So first and foremost, we as a therapist have to be trained in whatever type of animal-assisted therapy that we're doing. So like I mentioned, I'm doing animal-assisted play therapy. I have done several online conferences, several online trainings in both canine communication because I work with a dog, um, as well as how to integrate him into therapy. I have gone to in-person trainings. I'm currently in supervision. I will have more in-person trainings. It is a process. So we have to make sure the therapist is incredibly trained in what they're doing. 
Secondly, the dog has to be, or animal, I say dog because that's what I work with, but any animal has to have some aspect of training. And training can be obedience training, like Zero has been through, or it can be socialization, like you would do with horses to make sure they're cool around other animals like and other Piper humans. getting yeah. passed around. Yeah, people. Piper yeah. definitely had some socialization <laughs> yeah. training. Right, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but the animal has to be well-equipped and comfortable in whatever their environment is. Zero came into the office for a couple months and did not interact with people, but just got used to the office setting and listening to me in the office setting prior to meeting with clients. So clinician has to be trained, dog has to be trained. Another consideration is that the animal has to be up to date on any vaccines, any health procedures, whatever that looks like. Um, I keep a whole binder with all of Zero's health stuff and all of his training. So anytime a client's like, what about this? I can be like, here, look. Um, So we want to keep everything safe and healthy as possible. There is always a possibility of past transmitted diseases, zoonosis with animals, no matter the animal. Um, And animals are animals. They're going to scratch potentially they're going to bite sometimes, sometimes, well, most often by mistake. Um, so we do everything we can to mitigate that risk on the health side. Um, we also here at Connect require our dogs to go through some certification training to become an actual certified therapy dog. That is the, the certified therapy dog is a very different type of training than what Zero and I do in office. Um, but it is helpful to have someone else get eyes on them, someone else know what they're doing, all of that good stuff. The animal should also be insured. Zero has his own separate insurance in case there's any event that does happen because I want him to be protected and I want me to be protected. Um, And therapists are also covered by malpractice insurance that sometimes in some respects help with that, helps with that as well. In addition, Zero does not sit with every client. Our animals are not machines. They get tired and they get tired quick. And there are some clients that they are inappropriate to have in the session. For example, kiddos who can't regulate. The rule is if you can't regulate, Zero can't be in the session because I can't regulate everybody. (laughs) So we work hard on that skill before Zero comes and visits. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite often, Zero is only present for a portion of the session versus the whole session. So a lot of safety considerations with the animal there. Um, and I've said this before, our animals are not tools. They are not inanimate objects that sit there. They are not things that we use. They are co-therapists. They are also in the room as a living, breathing human being. They are treated with respect by both me and the clinician or, and the client, um, as is true of every fingers crossed individual who works with animals. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is very important as well. Ashley, did I miss anything in those considerations? Not in along with you. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Jim broke it down. She, did. she broke it down. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that was awesome. Yeah. Hey, maybe since I know we're, we're about to end, but uh, for both of you working with your, um, you know, your animals, what do you feel like you talk about the most with your animal? Like to the animal? Oh, yeah. Oh, like conversations I have with zero? Oh, yeah. That's exactly oh. what I mean. You know what happens. Let's not let's not get around. <laughs> let's be real. Hmm. We're getting raw today. Yeah. <laughs> You're really asking those hard hitting questions. Ooh. <laughs> 2020. Piper and I honestly mostly talk about what he would like to eat for his snacks. <laughs> um, I have like herbs grown on my porch, like basil and mint and stuff. And so we talk about like which snacks do you want today? <laughs> That's really wholesome. Because yes. it's so wholesome. The thing that I say the most to Zero is probably, Z, what are we doing with our lives right now? <laughs> nice. Piper's a different kind of pet. So, yeah. different kinds of communication. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you all. I yeah. appreciate that. I was just, uh, you know, a little, uh, little thought provoking thing I wanted to know, you know, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to pay way more attention to it too. And I'm yeah. like, actually, yeah. that's not right. This is what I say. <laughs> now I need to go and get a new therapist that actually has an animal they mm, work with. Right. I feel like I'm missing out y'all. This I sounds mean, right. amazing. A little bit. What a fun <laughs> element. I kind of want somebody with a, with a monkey or a gorilla though. Oh, oh. Gorilla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember all how big gorillas were back yeah. in the, when we were growing up, they were like always talking about Coco, the gorilla, mm-hmm. man, that was anyway. That's kind of a tangent. I guess that's the next episode. Guys, next episode, uh, episode five is all about gorillas. So stay tuned. Don't worry. Uh, we're all insured. And uh, we think y'all are, y'all are great. Insert random King Kong reference here. I can't come up with one yep. on the spur yeah, of the moment. You but, go. you know. Yeah. Something. Climb that building. Don't yeah. let anyone there tell you is. you can't. There we go. Oh, Jen bringing it I home. Like that. This is why she's the doctor, y'all. She's the doctor. <laughs> Dr. J. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us and Connect Counseling Center on our website, connectcounselingcenter.com. This podcast is for informational and psychoeducational purposes only. If you are experiencing any kind of emergency, please call 911, go to your nearest ER, or call the helpline at 988.